Welcome to Ag Matters, covering the positive agriculture stories from across Alaska. Mike Malevsky here with Big Cabbage Radio in Palmer, Alaska. And it's my great pleasure to bring Cody Buse into the studio in a different role. Typically, he is here. And what he is doing is interviewing people for Ag Matters. We're going to reverse that as we do from time to time, and I'm going to interview him. Welcome, Cody. Thanks, Mike. It's always fun to be on the other side and have you as the uh, interviewer. So what we're going to talk about, as I understand today, is the detail of a recent trip to Juneau. Yeah, and that's credit to a lot of different folks who make that happen. But that Food Security Week, that Alaska Food Security Week, and that has traditionally, of course, COVID kind of interrupted some things and we had to modify. But we're kind of back at strength of visiting with legislators and kind of talking about all things food security, which course, agriculture is a big part of that or should be. Now, I know that the food security issue has sort of surfaced or come to the forefront. It's been something that when Amy Pettit was doing the show, she talked about it. Some of the legislators talked about it. It seems to me that it, it has come up in the last few years Maybe 10 years ago, it was an issue, but not as prominent. Is that your sense? Yeah, I think, I don't want to say there's a lot of silver silver linings to COVID, but we realize, you know, there's there's a lot of vulnerabilities in our transportation system and our current food system as it is. And there's a lot of folks who, you know, malnutrition or undernourished. So there's a lot of issues. We're a big state. And yeah, I think it's on a lot more people's minds, a lot more folks who maybe they don't suffer the consequences of a lack of food, but they sure see when there's no milk or no eggs or, you know, some volatility. So I think it's something that's been brought to everybody's mind a little bit more, for sure. So thinking back over particularly the, the couple of years of heavy pandemic effect and variety of different reasons why we, we seem to find fewer foods available, what did you notice as the most missing food that would normally be readily available? Do you have some sense? Think about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, for me, I remember taking a picture of the grocery store, and this might have been what I would consider, quote, the height, but there was just no dairy products. You know, that was, it was just gone. And I took a picture at the time because the only dairy products that were on the shelves were, was Havemeister dairy, which unfortunately is no longer with us, but we do have some other choices. So, you know, yeah, it was kind of like, maybe it was more of the perishables, you know, as the things that can only be shipped up, whether that's meat or eggs or milk, it kind of seemed like that's where the most strain was. And I guess that makes sense because if it's non-perishable, it can sit for longer and you can stockpile a little more. But yeah, I think that I saw that as a vulnerability and those can be some important foods for a lot of people too. Right. Now you've had a background associated with dairy industry before you become the ag teacher and, and now you still look on. Maybe a quick couple of words about how we got to the place where, at least when I came a long time ago into Alaska, there were a number of dairy farms, Mm -hmm. and I knew some dairy farmers, and gradually that changed. What, What do you think happened over time that we suddenly found ourselves without real dairy available in Alaska, from Alaska? Yeah, I'll try to keep it short. I, ha- I spend way too much time thinking about it. But, you know, I met a dairy farmer in New Mexico, and I don't want to disparage him because I think anybody involved in agriculture is probably great. But I remember having a conversation with them, and they were talking about how they're trying to, to get their market reach out. And this is a 10,000 
cow dairy. So this is like a city of cows, in my opinion. Anyway, so they're talking about how they're trying to get into the Florida market. You know, and I just thought, wow, that's that's crazy. You're going from the west to the east coast. But that's really what happened, I think, to the Alaska dairies was we got out, competed. You know, during the 80s, we probably produced milk about the same amount and for the same price as most of the other country. And then there's some efficiencies in transportation and and all of a sudden we were getting out competed and and it's hard when you're going against a subsidized industry too. So anyway, that's kind of in in my mind, it's not that we can't, it's not that we were inefficient. It was just more of a transportation thing. We're dealing with a subsidized system and so you're gonna unfortunately find milk that has to get flown up or barged up cheaper and I think it's a little unfair and I think it's a little bit out of balance but you know that's kind of what happened and and slowly one by one we we just kept losing our dairies due to fluid milk is not everybody goes for the cheapest milk typically that's not everybody but it's not something that people see maybe a lot of value to they just want it to be cheap they use it for their kids cereal every morning same thing with eggs you know we notice the egg prices going up and we just we kind of go whoa what's going on eggs should be cheap bananas should be cheap milk should be cheap we're not looking for too much more than that one bright side though that i could see an opportunity in and i know i'm kind of switching gears is you know the value added i think americans eat more different types of cheeses yogurts i mean these are things that maybe weren't even consumed not not that long ago in our diets let's take a different perspective on this and ask the question what kinds of foodstuffs do we have at the present time right now being produced in alaska that meet some of the need that we have what just, just describe a few of those things that uh, if, if we do not have transportation and bringing things up from the lower 48, we still have availability. Yeah, I always think, I, and I probably erroneously would call them the root crops, but, you know, I'm thinking of our, our potatoes and our carrots, things that can be stored. We, we do have limited capacity to store these things, but they do store and, you know, they, they, are, they can be seen in the grocery store hopefully all year long. So that is, you know, one bright spot. And I think another one is a lot of people doing microgreens and some of these fresh things, maybe using some waste energy from a building or something and doing those types of things. So I think those are two things that could be. And I always, I just don't want to count our dairy or meat producers out because that is something that is also a year year round endeavor. But it, it is hard to compete in a market that where everybody's looking for the cheapest thing. So sometimes you have to kind of find where your niche is when you're a smaller producer. And I know that the weather changes in Alaska. I have experienced that. So I'm looking out at the snow and saying, hmm, not much growing out there right now. But in the summer, we have extraordinary growth. And typically people can buy at farmer's markets, go directly to farms. There's a, there's a lot of produce that's available. And it would seem to me that seasonal aspect to our life as compared to, say, California, which maybe has a longer season of, mm-hmm. of growing and, and availability, that affects things quite a bit, too. Yeah, and I think seasonality is a, is a way of life for Alaskans. I think we celebrate, or, or if you don't, you should, because even in the midst of winter, you know, get into your winter sports or, you know, that's when I pop out the jam or the pickles or other things that I've preserved. And it kind of helps remember, yeah, those times are coming again. So I think, yeah, I think you're right that, and well, and the growth of farmer's market in the state, I think just indicates what you said, that people get really excited about it and we kind of celebrate those seasons. And, and hopefully we're also kind of figuring out ways to prolong that season by 
processing the food in different ways or just like the salmon in the freezer, you know, we've got to make that last year all year long. Right. Now, that leads into the question of, of given your position as the ag teacher in, at Palmer High, do you see the growth out there of individual gardens? Because that's one source. If, if, you know, if everyone had a garden and was growing enough not only to harvest and eat on the fly, so to speak, but, but also to move into some storage, that would uh, change the dynamics somewhat. What, what, what would you say is the, is the circumstance with individual gardens in Alaska today? A lot of people doing it, more people doing it. What's the change? Yeah, I think, I think we've always been a garden-obsessed state for different reasons. And I think one of those is self-sufficiency in the past. You just, you had to do it or you wouldn't, you wouldn't receive it. So, and I think the other thing that nationwide is anytime we have hard times, recessions, issues, there's a couple things that happen. Seed sales go through the roof and chick sales. So baby, baby chickens. So I've always seen those spike. Like I remember 2008, like they just sold out of everything and the beginning of the great recession. So yeah, I think Alaskans have always been that way. We know how to celebrate our seasonality and we know that you know, having something fresh versus a lot of times what's available at the grocery store, although that is nice to have, it's really nice to have it fresh. And I think we really especially appreciate and relish it. And yeah, it's a combination of all those things, I would say. Okay. Mike Malewski here at Big Cabbage Radio in Palmer, Alaska. And I've been talking with Cody Buse, and we've been talking about food security. We started off by mentioning a trip down to Juneau to talk to legislators, et cetera. Let's talk a little bit about the detail of who went with you or who, who did you find down there talking and, and what in a little bit more detail did you do? Yeah, and knowing my brain, I'm going to leave somebody out unintentionally. So if that happens, I'll try to, at least from my perspective, remember everybody that went. But I think it's important. It's a pretty diverse group. So you have the Alaska Food Policy Council that coordinates with the Alaska Farm Bureau to pull this off. So we've we definitely had folks from the food banks represented, a lot of those great food policy policy council folks, members of the board of that institution. And then, of course, a lot of Farm Bureau members. We had Alaska FFA and Polymer FFA. Of course, they're one and the same, but uh, students who came down for that, which is also really great to partner. And I think I think that kind of encompasses, of course, there's some farmers and producers who maybe aren't part of the Farm Bureau yet, right? We're going to get them, but they definitely are represented, represented too. So we had folks from Fairbanks and, of course, Anchorage and South Central. We had folks from the peninsula and Southeast. And so it was nice to all converge. And we all have a little bit of different backgrounds and expertise, but we've visited as many legislators as we could. And I think the legislators get a really good sense of food security as a whole, both on the producer side and, you know, how do we provide for those in need? And it, it's a good group. In addition to the individual visits with legislators, was there a, a big event or the gathering where everybody sort of came together at one time? Yeah, um, I think one of the important things that they do is called the Lunch and Learn. And that's an invitation to you know, staffers, legislators, everybody there. And there's some presentations and those presentations have always been fantastic. So we usually have a little bit of a nice sandwich lunch and we gather in one of the rooms there and give a presentation. A few that I recalled and remember was there was, and I'm going to forget who they are, but it's a food co-op in Fairbanks that does some amazing work. And they kind of talked about the challenges, some potential ways of you know, kind of informing the legislators, like, this is our challenges. This is, you know, insurance being one of them. 
And so they talk all about those things. And then another farmer spoke. And anyway, really, those are really good opportunities. There's also a general kind of get together after the first day. And so that was fun just down uh, on the wharf to get together and gather with the legislators and, and have some nice food again. And typically that's been an Alaska grown dinner. It wasn't that we didn't do that this year. We'll get that back. And in the past, we've also been invited to the governor's mansion. So I'm sure those things will be returning. We're kind of just getting back into it. But yeah, some general gatherings. And so we both kind of have some formal and informal settings where we get to talk about policy. And sometimes they're just curious about what what you do on your farm or whatever. And I found that to be especially helpful. Okay. So looking ahead, we know that the legislature is still in session and a whole bunch of bills are being worked on of one sort or another. For listeners who are not really aware of exactly what is being worked on right now, are there some things that you see as likely to come out of this legislative session that would improve the whole question of food security? You know, I have not kept up uh, as well as Amy Pettit, of course, course comes to mind in coming up with those legislative things that they have going. There's a couple things being discussed, and one of them is talking about agricultural education in the state, so always going to be a big supporter of that. That's more of a, of a working group right now. There's the 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 food security caucus, which is still batting together, or you know, kind of looking at some different things. And this is made up of legislators. Yes, and that's a very bipartisan group, so that's always can be somewhat rare these days. So that's it's really nice when they get together and they can. That is something they can find a lot of common ground on. So that's. Yeah, as far as specifics, though, I'd have to go back and look. It, it, sometimes it's nice when there's nothing <laughs> on the table, too, where it's like we feel pretty good about what we're doing. And I think one of the exciting things is that the Division of Agriculture now has a new director. It was an interim in the meantime, and she was doing a wonderful job. But anyway, nice to have Brian Scoresby in that position. And so that's kind of where some of the buzz was, too, is, you know, what is his contribution to that? Okay. Well, let's let's look ahead and be specific for listeners. What would you say would be a good set of things to do if you're an individual living here in Alaska to help improve food security? Yeah, I think it always starts at home. So I always like to say, you know, even if it's just something small, it's something that you do. I I think it's even just smart to have a little bit of stockpile of food. You don't have to be a hoarder or a prepper or anything like that. But yeah, just being a little bit more prepared ourselves, I think, is helpful because when we overwhelm a system, it can... It can be bad. So just being prepared ourselves. But like you said, doing a little bit of gardening and doing some some different things can be really important. And I think supporting the small producers to so the farmers markets, the CSAs, the other things, if you look out there, there they are there. And maybe it's just something small. Maybe you only get some, some pork every month or Maybe it's just one time a year, but just start something like that. You know, the the five dollar challenge that the Division of Agriculture has had for years, I think, is kind of a fun way to think about it. For me, that's easy. We okay, we're talk, always talk getting a little carrots. Bit of what is that five dollars? Yeah, so. you know, it's just a promotional thing that they've done for gosh, a really long time. Kind of encourage you. They encourage you to spend at least five dollars a week. And if you if you do the math on that, I don't. I'm horrible at calculation, but you can imagine with our state's population, if everybody spent five dollars a week, that's money that circulates with within our own economy and kind of keeps going. And, and we always talk about that when you spend local. Mike Malevsky, once again, here with Cody Buse. And we've been talking about food security and some of the things that, that perhaps an individual could do in order to support local farmers, anyone in Alaska who's doing production of, of food. 
And, and also, I, I think my own sense is that idea of having food backing you in, the, in whatever place you store food. We, we do have some basics. I guess the, the, the question is, the one that would be out there for, for anyone, we ask it of ourselves, is how often, how often do I go to the grocery store or how often do I go and buy something? Is it daily? Is it weekly? Is it monthly? Some people make a trip and they'll stock up and they'll do this on a regular basis. And, and what, what, what's your own personal approach to this, your family? You have a, a fairly large family. Do you, do you store, you know, stockpile of, uh, say, basics? Or, or how do you handle that? Yeah, I'd love to say that we're, we, we don't eat out often. So, <laughs> so uh, I like to have some stuff, yeah, definitely on hand. I wish I, wish I was more talented in the, the kitchen arena. But that's something, like, as a kid growing up in Soldotna, I remember not monthly, but we would drive up to Anchorage and do the Costco run. And that was kind of a big deal because that was the staples for the month or or more. So yeah, I mean, I always like to have any of those dry goods. And last night we had some Alaska grown beef with some lentils and some carrots. And so kind of had, anyway, it's just nice to have a, at least a pantry, if nothing else, that has some of those, you know, things like beans or canned goods. And, and of course, that's always something you can do yourself too. So that's something we're, we're looking at doing more of in the future. We, we went through our pickles pretty fast we still got lots of jam but yeah we've just finished up the garlic that we grow mm-hmm. it's the last uh, hits the bulbs are being used right now we plant them there the first thing that, that pops up in the spring mm-hmm. and we usually harvest enough to get us through a good portion of the year so i'm wondering if from your perspective thinking about places whether it's costco or three bears or any of the other large chains small chains that distribute foods, are you seeing more local products, a commitment to the idea of buying from from local producers in order to support local production of food? We recently talked with Arthur Keyes, and I have to echo his words that and, and we're not endorsed by Three Bears, but they're just super great at working with local producers. I think the the thing that is the hardest about our current grocery store model is more of an insurance requirement than anything else. And that can a lot of times be more of a corporate requirement. And so, you know, if you're a small chicken producer to get your processed chickens, which you can you can process them yourselves under an exemption under state and federal law. And technically those should be in the in the grocery store, but the insurance requirement can be a, a big barrier. So you're you know, you've got things where you you've got to have a million dollar deductible and that's just not gonna happen. So and I'm thinking of some of the Anchorage, you know, Nusi Guy market and of course I'm probably leaving some out, but those are just some some local grocery store chains that really go the extra mile as far as putting products on there. Now I've seen some some increase in some stuff where if it's more shelf stable, you know, like some kelp, pickles or salsa, things like that. That's something that a store can pick up, you know, and a little bit easier. There's so I don't wanna minimize the the hoops they have to go through, but yeah, as far as some of the value-added products that are a little bit, quote, safer to produce. And, of course, uh, for me, although the other day I had a hard time, maybe they're running low, but Alaska Flower Company is one. Right. And, of course, again, this is all stuff you can find at Three Bears, but, you know, Safeway was kind of my go-to spot. And I feel like they moved it, so I got to go figure out what's going on. But, yeah, the cream of barley is kind of my breakfast of choice. Cody, I've asked a lot of questions. You've done a nice job of answering. Uh, any last comments to leave with listeners before we do finish up? Yeah, it just popped in my head, and that was that, of course, I had 
being here in Palmer, I'd, I'd be remiss if we didn't say Bush's Bunches. They've done a lot this year to be open throughout the winter. And I did want to just maybe very quickly, there's priorities for the Alaska Farm Bureau for the year. And so that's kind of what we talk to legislators about, okay. you know, in different small groups. So we'd kind of be paired up with maybe some students and, and some farmers and a food policy person. And anyway, so these were the specific Farm Bureau, Alaska Farm Bureau ones. One was increased funding for the experiment and extension centers. Okay. So, you know, talking about the work, the great work that they do and that you know that has a big history in our state and in every state the food system the the positives of the food system in my mind today are because of those extension centers and and experiment farms from across the country one of the big ones that it's been asked as long as i've known the farm bureau and that is to actually create a department of agriculture instead of division of agriculture and now that can i don't want to say controversial but you know people think oh we don't want bigger government and i think what the Farm Bureau has always suggested is ju- it's just simply a reorganization of priorities. So it's not creating just a big branch of government. It's, it's maybe, you know, switching some different departments around and, and making that more viable. So, which makes sense if you, if you kind of look at our current structure. So, and then one of the other things is tax incentives for producers. You know, they, they have slim margins and to be taxed the same as just a typical homeowner on, on larger land just isn't sustainable. And that's pretty common across the country. So just something maybe we need to get on board with. And I think the last thing or two last things would be to add that there used to be a grain reserve program. And so we've seen this year where people are slaughtering animals because they can't feed them. There just isn't, it isn't viable to ship up stuff from down south or they're doing it at a loss. And so to have a reserve program would help have us, you know, when it comes to this type of issue in the future where we're not destroying future livestock. And protecting and promoting food security in Alaska and statutes. So there's some specifics. You can go check out the Alaska Farm Bureau website for those. But those are the priorities for the year. I feel like they're fairly logical asks, and I think they're, they're pretty budget neutral. But it is something that's really important that affects all of our lives and our economy. So you want to talk about diversifying our economy, that's one way to do it. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, Cody, talking about food security and recent visit to Juneau. Stay well out there, and we'll look forward to your return next week. Thank you, Mike. You've been listening to Ag Matters, covering positive agriculture stories from across Alaska. Ag Matters is a production of Radio Free Palmer, recorded at our studios in Palmer, Alaska. For more information about this program, email manager at radiofreepalmer.org.